And there's been a lot of talk over the past weekend that he has been surging throughout the state. We'll see. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast and 106.7 FM Queso in Cozy Cottage Grove. Out in Pennsylvania on 93 FM WLRI in lovely Lancaster. Out in Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. Up in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And of course, coast to coast and around the globe, streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Nashville, and many other fine affiliates, including Radio Sputnik, where we are heard five days a week. Thank you for joining us. My name is Brad Friedman. I am your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. And it is, uh, I don't know uh, if it feels like this to you, Desi Doyen. Hi, Desi. That's our producer, Desi Doyen. Hello. Uh, it kind of feels like the calm before the storm around yes. here today. Yes. Just a little bit. We'll see. As we go to air, voters in New Hampshire are going to the polls. So we don't know how things are going to come out. But uh, by the time you hear this, you may already have heard how things came out. How did it go? Uh, <laughs> send us email. Let us know. Uh, we do have some results, however, that are already in. We will get to those in a moment. And uh, we got a lot to cover here, actually, today. Because uh, for our last couple of programs, we've been we've been on uh, debate, debate coverage. Yeah, post, <laughs> uh, post-debate analysis, uh, both Democratic and Republican debate. And now... I'm going to try to catch up with a bunch of stuff concerning, uh, well, concerning the presidential election and other elections around the country. Some news breaking today, some uh, over the past few days. So I hope to catch up with a lot. And also, we will be joined a little bit later by Desi Doyen with our latest Green News report. Because out here in the middle of February. February, is yes. it? Right. Uh, early February, for, for that matter. Uh, the temperatures are actually now heading towards 90. Yes. Here in Los Angeles. It's pretty freaky, I have it, to say. It is. It has been sunny and dry. And uh, the reason I point this out is not to rub it in to those of you who are dealing with snowstorms out east. And in fact, there is a snowstorm uh, up in New England that could affect uh, the, the turnout. The turnout up in New Hampshire. But uh, sunny and dry, and the reason I mention it, and the heat, is because uh, no El Nino rains in sight right now for Southern California. We were promised there would be rain. I was told there would be an El Nino this That's year. right, that's right. And punch and pie. That's right. <laughs> uh, for now, though, uh, nothing. We got about three days of, uh, of, of rain in the midst of this worst drought ever we continue to have out west. 
And uh, some of the talk, and, and Michael Mann, uh, Dr. Michael Mann actually mentioned this when we had him on the show last a few weeks ago, that th- this El Nino is so big uh, that it's actually shooting, basically it's shooting the moisture that uh, is supposed to hit us from the, what is it, 1,000 or 2,000 square miles of warm ocean temperatures. It's supposed to send that moisture up to us in Southern California, but it's so big, there's so much warmth and so much moisture, it's actually shooting it farther north. It's actually creating its own weather and becoming like a big blocker, a a big defensive tackle blocker that's blocking all that moisture that's supposed to come to us. So, very interesting developments on that front. We'll talk about that in our Green News Report, along with a couple of other items. Uh, including Hillary uh, fighting for action on uh, the Flint water crisis, Bernie Sanders fighting to stop oil and gas pipelines up in New Hampshire, speaking of, and Vermont, Uh, Donald Trump being actually terribly right about something. (laughs) So you'll want to tune in for that. And uh, and the president proposes a, a big new tax on oil. So all of that is ahead. First, let's go to New Hampshire, however, uh, where it's interesting. Since the uh, last debate on Saturday where Marco Rubio kind of blew himself up or his circuits blew up and he kept repeating the same thing over and over again, Marco Rubio, who was supposed to be sort of the front runner for the establishment uh, uh, alternative to Trump and Cruz, he sort of blew himself up. And then in the subsequent days, we don't have a lot of polling to know how Either the uh, Democratic debate affected uh, the the last minute uh, voters in New Hampshire or how the Republican debate affected that. But we have a few numbers to go on just to get an idea. And I'll explain why these polls are largely meaningless, particularly in New Hampshire. Uh, But I want to just give you an idea of the trajectory as people do go to the polls right now. uh, Bush and Kasich. Ohio Governor John Kasich, according to this poll from Emerson, which actually had several days, uh, at least a day or two after the debates as part of its uh, data set, they show Jeb Bush and John Kasich essentially battling for second place. Bush actually in second place with 16 uh, points behind Donald Trump, who's wiping everybody out with 31 points, according to this poll. Then you've got a Kasich and Rubio sort of tied at 13 percent and 12 percent and then uh, Ted Cruz. So it's a battle for second place. The survey was conducted from Thursday until late Sunday afternoon, and it reflects how voter sentiment has fluctuated in response to a number of fast moving events. Trump skidded from receiving 37% support on Thursday down to 22% on Saturday, but then he surged to 33% uh, after his GOP debate uh, performance. As well, Bush trended upward after the debate, uh, and Rubio fell from a high of 17% on Friday to single digits on Sunday after the debate. In that same poll, uh, the Emerson poll on the Democratic side, It now shows Bernie Sanders 54 percent to Hillary Clinton's 42 percent. That's a 12 point margin at this point. And uh, Sanders, they they say, had a significant bump in his daily numbers up to 61 percent support 
while Clinton fell down to 34% support following the Democratic debate Hmm. at the end of last week. But they add Clinton bounced back by Sunday, closing the gap. That's a big gap to close, but that's what they say at the Emerson polls. I point all of this out by way of saying... Uh, we have no idea what is actually going to happen in New Hampshire for a whole bunch of reasons. Amongst them, I will remind you what happened back in 2008 in January, January 10 at bradblog.com. We cited what had just taken place in the New Hampshire polls going into them. Barack Obama had just won Iowa. He was winning an average across a bunch of different independent polls by about eight points. He was uh, beating uh, Hillary Clinton. And then came Election Day. And then came the reported results on the uh, optical scan, the Diebold optical scan systems in New Hampshire. And lo and behold, Hillary Clinton was reported as the winner over Barack Obama by two points. That amounts to about a 10-point swing from before, from the pre-election polls to the results that were reported. Now, uh, it was called a, a huge upset at the time. Nobody could understand it. In fact, the exit polls apparently showed Barack Obama winning. But for some reason, Hillary Clinton came out and was announced the winner. And uh, Chris Matthews was kind of going nuts about this for a while. We had the video at bradblog.com, and I wish I could play the audio, but uh, it's embedded in, in the story, but uh, YouTube has taken it down all of these years later, I just found out. I don't know if we've got it recorded elsewhere, but I transcribed it at the time. Basically, Chris Matthews says, quote, So what accounts for Hillary Clinton's victory in New Hampshire? What we don't know is why the victory is so much different, in fact, than the polling ahead of time, including what we call the exit polls were telling us. This is Chris Matthews. Obama was ahead in those polls by an average of eight points. And even in our own exit polls taken as people came out of voting, showed him ahead. So what's going on here? Chris Matthews asked at the time. Why were the polls taken of people coming out of the booth so off? Chris Matthews said. And he was trying to get an answer to that. And he said, I promise I won't talk about it after today, but I really want to know. Uh, Now, we ended up having a recount on both the Democratic and the Republican side because the numbers were so insane back in 2008. It was actually Dennis Kucinich who stepped forward on the Democratic side, spent up some $60,000 of his own money. Uh, and found hundreds of miscounted votes all over the place, could not do a full recount, could not afford a full recount, asked the state of uh, New Hampshire to do a full recount, given there were so many errors in the precincts that they did manage to count. But New Hampshire did not do so, and they stand by their numbers even though they found so many errors in the, uh, in, in the counts from the precincts that they did bother to hand count because Dennis Kucinich, who was a candidate at the time, he insisted on it. So, again, who knows what will happen in New Hampshire? And again, you may know by the time you hear this, uh, but I'm pointing all of this out to say that it's often not until after the election After the results are announced that we start to hear from people, we start to hear from voters, we start to uh, analyze the results and we find problems here or there. Now, I'm hoping, of course, that there are no such problems in New Hampshire, that everything goes smoothly and that all of the voters, no matter who they voted for, 
can feel like they have some confidence in the results that are announced by the state. But who knows? Who knows if they will or not? Because uh, while a uh, about 40 percent of New Hampshire towns, which is not 40 percent of the population, but 40 percent of the towns is a much smaller percent of the population. While those towns bother to count by hand at the precinct, hand-counted paper ballots counted at the precinct in front of the public, in front of all the parties, video cameras and everything else. The results are posted right then and there, so we can have a fair amount of confidence in those results. There's really no reason to have confidence in any other results because the paper ballots are run through optical scan machines, which count the ballots either correctly or incorrectly. Nobody knows unless you bother to hand count. Begging the question, why don't we hand count all of the ballots at the precinct before they are moved anywhere? I think that would be a good idea, especially given what's going on, what has been going on over the past week in Iowa. Questions from all sides about those results. And, uh, well, you watched. I don't do predictions, but my predictions are somebody is going to have questions about the results as they come out of New Hampshire. More on that in a moment, because we do have some results now out of New Hampshire. Up in Dixville Notch, which opens their polls at midnight or one second after midnight or whatever it is on primary day. It turns out uh, Democrat Bernie Sanders destroyed Hillary Clinton. She got zero votes. Bernie Sanders got all of them, all four of them. Four to nothing for Bernie Sanders up in Dixville Notch. A landslide. A a huge landslide, to say (laughs) the least. He skunked her on the Republican side. It was John Kasich with three votes over Donald Trump with two votes. Uh, And by the way, Even though these results are true and accurate, and we know that because they are hand-counted in front of the public, they are largely meaningless because obviously there's so few people. But nine voters total. Voting took all of 20 seconds. Um, Were there any lines outside the polling place? Yes, I don't think there were. (laughs) I don't think there were. Uh, but we, we, it's interesting because a Kasich I've been saying for a while, I think is going to perform a lot better in New Hampshire. We'll see. I, again, I don't do predictions, but I think he's going to do better than uh, people think. We'll see if I'm right or wrong. Uh, a couple of other, uh, small, uh, communities also voted at midnight last night in Hart's location. Bernie Sanders also wiped out Hillary Clinton 12 to seven. And in Hart's location, uh, John Kasich also won uh, with five votes over Trump with four. Christie had two and everyone else had one vote. Uh, And let's see. Then in Millsfield, where they have a total of 21 voters. uh, Whoa, it was also a a wipeout. Oh, no, it was a wipeout in this case for Clinton. Uh, She had twice as many votes as Bernie Sanders. She received two. He received one. And in that town, uh, Ted Cruz won, by the way, nine votes to Donald Trump's three. So who knows? Anything could happen. And at the same time, as there are concerns about the way votes are counted in New Hampshire and elsewhere, there is also concerns about whether some people will be able to vote at all or if there will be long lines that keep people from voting thanks to a new photo ID restriction law that is now in place in New Hampshire for the first time and which Ari Berman over at The Nation says could lead to longer lines. Now, the good news about 
this particular photo ID restriction law in uh, New Hampshire is that they're not going to turn anyone away. If you don't have the narrowly defined uh, ID, you know, state photo ID that is required under this new Republican law, you will still get to vote. However, they will take your picture. Which some voting rights activists are concerned about. They feel that it, you know, makes somebody feel like suddenly we suspect you of being a criminal, is what it says to the voters, according to the New Hampshire League of Women Voters. Joan Flood Ashwell says this is meant to intimidate people. There's no question about it. Uh, the New Hampshire Civil Liberties Union uh, says that it may seem to some like a mugshot. And uh, you know what? Maybe so. The concern is also that the time that it will take to take photographs of people will lead to long lines. That's a very serious concern. It's something I don't know. That said, uh, you know, I'm not sure where how I feel about uh, uh, taking people's photographs if they don't have ID. That could be for all of the Republicans who say we have to do this because there's criminals, you know, people sneaking in twice to vote. All right. Well, you know. Everyone has an iPhone, an iPad these days. It seems like it would be pretty simple to just take their photographs if they don't have an ID in this case and make sure that, therefore, no one is turned away from the polls. But does it increase the time it takes to vote? Maybe. That's what some voting rights uh, activists are saying. Looks like we're going to have a test of this in a live election to, on Tuesday in New Hampshire. I hope it doesn't result in people not being able to exercise their right to vote. We will be keeping our eyes on that. In the meantime, uh, I received uh, an email from a, a voting rights activist down in Florida. And by the way, if you see strange stuff you think I need to know about, send me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com and or uh, shoot me uh, a, a note on the Twitters at the Brad blog. In any event, this email comes from uh, a voting activist down in Florida who says, a friend of mine was just turned away at her ward in New Hampshire. She writes, she's a lifelong Democrat who last voted for Obama in 2012. When she went to sign in, she was told that she was listed as a registered Republican and that she would not be allowed to vote in the Democratic primary today. The only way that she would be considered a Republican without changing her affiliation is if she had voted for the Republican in the last primary election. And she says, I don't know what the well, I don't know what the F is going on here. She was apparently interviewed by a reporter on her way out. Uh, she adds, I have no idea who she was going to vote for. Uh, either way, it is. Uh, well, let's just say she was not happy about it. This is an anecdotal incident. Obviously, it is just one person, but I put it out there as well in case other people hear of similar problems at the polls uh, because there's a lot of dirty tricks, and I hope to get to some uh, a lot of dirty tricks going on right now, and I uh, hope to get to some of them a little bit later in the show here. But that is one, uh, one concern to keep our eyes out as people are going to the polls in New Hampshire. Actually, several people having their registration changed and people being able to vote at all thanks to this new photo ID law that requires a, uh, a photograph. Um, interesting. We'll see what we learn. I want to return to Iowa for a moment here and the results from last week because this actually... 
affects New Hampshire on Tuesday. This also affects uh, South Carolina, Nevada, and let me think, oh, every other state in the entire union. There are still questions about the Iowa results. The Iowa results, uh, particularly on the Democratic side, well, on both sides because of some dirty tricks on the Republican side. We'll get to that in a bit. But on the Democratic side, there are still questions. There was a lot of chaos. We spent a lot of last week talking to uh, uh, folks on this show about, I don't know, two or three different days uh, looking at the problems in Iowa, getting an explanation for the Iowa Democrats' crazy system. Uh, it's somewhat transparent, at least at the uh, at the caucus site. But then those numbers sort of go away. They're sent to the Democratic Party, which runs the caucuses on the Democratic side. The Republicans run it on the Republic on the Republican side. And then things begin to get murky. And because the results were so close with Hillary Clinton reportedly winning by 0.2 percent of what do they call them? A state delegate equivalent. It's this crazy math they do in uh, in Iowa at the caucuses where they all, you know, the numbers they choose at each particular caucus site are for county delegates. And then this goes through some math formula and they determine state delegate equivalents. Anyway, there was just point two separating uh, Hillary Clinton as the declared winner. Bernie Sanders coming in second. And there are questions about whether Bernie Sanders, in fact, may have received more votes, popular votes, than Hillary Clinton. We don't know because the Iowa Democratic Party still refuses to release those raw numbers. That said, some adjustments are being made uh, to those results. This, according to uh, the Des Moines, Des Moines Register, Jennifer Jacobs, excellent reporter over there, says that the Iowa Democratic Party officials are reviewing results from the Iowa caucuses and making updates where discrepancies have been found. Party chairwoman Andrea McGuire, the, uh, the day after Monday's caucuses, said that there would be no review. No review would be con- conducted and that Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton's narrow victory over Bernie Sanders is final. But as errors are being discovered, the final tally is being changed. Party officials confirmed this to the Des Moines Register. Uh, the Register has received numerous reports that results announced in its in its own precinct on Monday night don't match what the Iowa Democratic Party has posted on its official results website. And this is something that I'm pretty sure I've been warning uh, people about for a long time. And one reason why the Iowa caucuses are more transparent, uh, frankly, than a lot of other places, because at least we know what the results are at the precinct publicly. The uh, voters or the caucus goers in this case uh, can know exactly what the results were at the precinct. So if they are different when they are later reported by the state, by the state party in this case, then we can know. And the Des Moines Register has seen, as they say, numerous reports that results at the precinct were different than the uh, results reported by the the party. They give one example here. This is Grinnell Precinct Number 1. At least three caucus goers there and the Grinnell College newspaper reported that Sanders won 19 county delegates and Clinton won seven, but party officials had said the final tally was 18 to 8. 
So they took one away from Sanders and they added one to Clinton. However, it was the people, the local voters, the local caucus goers who had it right. It shouldn't be 18 to 8. It should have been 19 to 7. 19 to 7 is right, said Pablo Silva, a Grinnell College professor who was precinct secretary. Uh, it is complicated, but the issue comes down to a problem with the math that can be complicated in large precincts. The short version, on Monday night, the Iowa Democratic Party felt we had not done it right, and they attempted to correct what they saw as errors. We've been in touch since then. They are acknowledging our results, but as I write, we'll, we'll wait on the arrival of our paperwork. So this is a one county delegate. It is not a big deal, okay? But the point is, on the local level, you get results that are overseen by everybody. And then at the at the state level or at the county level, whatever the situation happens to be in New Hampshire, it'll you know go to the county level. Numbers can be changed. They can be changed unilaterally. Now, The Guardian picked up this story as well. Uh, part of the part of their story is from uh, Ben Jacobs at The Guardian talking again about Iowa, changing the results. The headline, Iowa Democratic Party altered precinct caucus results during chaotic night. The Guardian says uh, when results reported to the Central Reporting Center in Des Moines, party staffers who were able to adjust numbers reported in the much vaunted Microsoft app that was used by Iowa Democratic Party uh, uh, before they were released to the public, unilaterally made changes. As uh, this one uh, caucus chairman said, uh, they did it incorrectly, in my opinion. Where Silva, this was the, 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 the caucus chair, uh, was grateful that he wasn't called in the middle of the night about any of these issues. He says he was kind of surprised to see a result different than what he had reported the next day. Eventually, after lobbying by both Silva and a former county chair, Don Smith, they have received assurances that the delegate numbers for that precinct will be corrected. Why are you looking at me like that, Desi Doyen? Well, like you said, you it's only one small uh -huh. delegate, right. but it is extremely troubling, extremely troubling to hear that they yep. adjusted unilaterally. Yep. Yep. Now, that will be troubling, I'm sure, for, you know, Bernie Sanders partisans who are concerned about, uh, you know, what the results are. They're concerned that the that the Iowa Democratic Party and the Democratic National Committee is in the bag for Hillary. And in fact, uh, the head of the Iowa Democratic Party did have a license plate, I am told, that uh, was uh, HRC 2016. So is a supporter of Clinton's. But this is not about Hillary. Uh, this is not about Bernie Sanders supporters. This is not about Hillary Clinton. This is not about Democrats. This is frankly not even about Iowa. This is about a point that I apparently, even though I've been telling this story for more than a decade, I have to continue telling it because people don't understand it every time they go to the polls, every time we get to elections and they start getting concerned. Can I trust the results? Well, no, you can't trust the results if they are not overseen by human beings. And I'm talking about voters. I'm talking about the electorate, not somebody who's, who's you know, stuck away at a headquarters somewhere who works for the state or the party or the county who is changing numbers unilaterally. And yes, that can be done, not just in Iowa, where I've heard a lot of people beating up on Iowa and the way they run their elections. I understand. 
Uh, it's it's confusing. That said, when it's transparent at the local level, then people can speak up and say, wait a minute, no, these are not the numbers that I reported. That's why I've been telling people in New Hampshire, when the polls close, be there at the close of polls and take pictures of the results as they are printed out from these optical scan computers made by Diebold, which we know are hackable, which we know uh, simply fail all the time, as they did back in New Hampshire in 2008. Yes, you should be concerned about this because they are taking away our ability to oversee our own elections. And this means no matter who you support, Sanders, Clinton, Anybody on the Republican side, I will stand up for the voters. I don't give a damn how crazy their candidate is. Their voters have the right to know whether their votes were counted and counted accurately. All right. I know we got to get to a break. One quick email from a uh, from a listener. Uh, Jim says, Brad, I listen to your broadcast every day. All your talk on voting machines has made me question everything about the voting process. In uh, Jim's town in Idaho, they are apparently changing from a county-based optical scan system, a central, you know, where the ballots, the paper ballots are sent to a central location before they are tallied by the computers. They're changing to a precinct-based optical scanner where the ballots are scanned right then and there. Jim says, uh, I called the county voter department and asked them about this machine. Basically, they said they are moving it from a central location to the polling areas. So not really a change there, so to speak. But when I talked to the clerk, she could not answer my question about the network security of this device or if it would display my voting preferences on the screen for at least that level of confirmation. She said no. So who knows where my vote goes? Disillusioned in, o in Idaho. Signed, Jim. Uh, yeah, you should be disillusioned when you can't see what happens to your vote, when you can't stick around and watch your vote being counted, when you are told by a computer that, yeah, we got it. Thanks for everything. Uh, you should be concerned. This is your democracy. You need to be able to oversee it. And that's why I drive everyone so crazy with all of this. And not just on the day of a primary, but all year around election year or non-election year. Democracy matters. More democracy straight ahead. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. The 2016 election season is now at full throttle. Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year around, like no other media outlet in the nation. But we need your support to keep doing so now more than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to make a monthly pledge of any amount you like to help keep us going or even just a one-time only contribution. While everyone else covers the horse race, we also keep our eyes on the track conditions those horses are running on because voting systems, access to the polls, and citizen oversight of election results can make all the difference. Please help us continue to fight independently for your democracy by taking about 60 seconds right now to stop by bradblog.com slash donate today. And thanks. Yes, he did. 
Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. And yes, Marco Rubio did it again. Unbelievable. Uh, and we'll get back to more election integrity stuff in a moment. But this, uh, <laughs> so after Marco Rubio uh, repeated himself over and over again at the Democratic debate, no, at the Republican debate, kept saying the same memorized speech over and over again, and everybody was calling him a, a Rubio bot, a Rubot, following the uh, following the debate over the weekend. He went out on Monday and did the exact same thing. It was did you, did you hear this yet, Des? It yes. was absolutely unbelievable. Did I say welcome back to the broadcast? No, Fried, you didn't. Uh, well, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. I think Whatever. you were so welcome stunned back. by the I, Rubio well, Marco I can't Bud. believe that he just did this again. He absolutely did this. Uh, got nothing but uh, scorn and derision and laughter. And there's actually uh, people are dressing up as robots now and going out to his events. And by the way, in New Hampshire, uh, someone dressed up as a robot got roughed up by one of the Marco Rubio supporters uh, today, I think it was, or, or on Monday. In any event, at another speed, and you can sort of hear, there's a moment in this where, where he stops for half a second, and you can tell that he, his, his circuitry just went, oh, I'm doing it again, aren't I? Here was uh, uh, Marco Rubio in Nashua, New Hampshire, on, uh, on Monday. We are taking our message to families that are struggling to raise their children in the 21st century because as you saw, Jeanette and I are raising our four children in the 21st century and we know how hard it's become to instill our values in our kids instead of the values they try to ram down our throats. In the 21st century, it's become harder than ever to instill in your children the values they teach in our homes and in our church instead of the values that they try to ram down our throats in the movies, <laughs> in music, in popular culture. <laughs> Did you hear that little glitch where yes. he went, oh, I'm saying it again. I'm saying that ram down our throats line again. Incredible. And uh, there was a, a sweet short moment where everyone thought, well, Marco Rubio, he'll be the sane one to oppose Donald Trump and, uh, and Ted Cruz. Well, good luck with that, Republicans. Someone else, I suspect, we'll see, someone else, I suspect, is going to come out of New Hampshire as w with the uh, establishment lane uh, vote. And, uh, well, we'll see. I think it might be Kasich. But could be Bush. Could be Christie. Nobody knows. And once they announce the results in uh, New Hampshire... Nobody will still know, because when they announce those results, no one will have an idea if they're actually accurate or not. They'll just announce them. The media will report them. The candidates will most likely accept them. And the dirty little secret is none of them, except for those ballots that were counted, that were hand counted at the precinct in that uh, small portion of towns in New Hampshire where they still use democracy's gold standard, to publicly count ballots in front of people, nobody uh, other than that, nobody will know if those results are accurate or not. Speaking of Marco Rubio, uh, Law News with a Z, uh, which is a, a, a site by a website by Dan Abrams, had an exclusive that uh, New Hampshire voters were receiving a potentially sh uh, illegal. Voter shaming letters. Now, you recall back in Iowa, one of the dirty tricks that we talked about, there were sort of two big ones that Ted Cruz appears to have carried out before the Iowa, before and during the Iowa caucuses last week. One was, of course, been talked about quite a bit, telling everyone that uh, Ben Carson was getting out of the race. 
so that they, instead of voting for Ben Carson, caucus goers should vote for Ted Cruz instead. Well, Ben Carson was not getting out of the race. That was false. Ted Cruz subsequently uh, first lied about it to, uh, to, to voters, and then he continued to lie about it. He continued to lie about it over the weekend. It actually got CNN, as we discussed on yesterday's show, actually got CNN to say that Ted Cruz is flat out lying. That's a direct quote. CNN never calls anyone a liar, but apparently if you lie about them, they'll call you a liar. So the other thing that Ted Cruz had done in Iowa was sent out these uh, these voter warnings. Uh, what was it called? Uh, voter validation or something like that. Basically warning voters that if they did not vote, if they did not show up to the caucuses, their friends and neighbors would hear about it. And the letter actually listed the names of some of the neighbors who live nearby. Did they vote in the previous caucuses back in 2012, back in 2008? Because, in fact, it is public information it, when you go out to vote. If you voted, doesn't tell you who you voted for, but it is public information that you went to vote. And uh, they were trying to basically shame voters, scare them, that if they didn't vote, they would be publicly held up to ridicule, and it was sent from the Ted Cruz campaign. Well, now we see something similar in New Hampshire. It's a little bit more mysterious where this is coming from. Now, I should say at the time, after this was revealed that Ted Cruz campaign had done this, had scared people with this, with this letter, about voting, uh, Rubio decried what he did. He criticized what uh, uh, Ted Cruz did. But now we're in New Hampshire and a letter has gone out apparently to a bunch of Republicans uh, with this official looking seal at the top from the New Hampshire State Voter Program. Turns out there is no New Hampshire State Voter Program and this seal, which is meant to look official and real, is completely fake. And it was sent to Republican voters Last week, it says, what if your friends, your neighbors and your community knew whether you voted? Why do so many people fail to vote? We've been talking about the problem for years, but it only seems to get worse. This year, we're talking about a new approach. We're sending this mailing to you, some of your friends, neighbors, colleagues at work and community members to make them aware of who does and does not vote. This chart shows the names of some of your friends, your neighbors, and other people you know showing which have voted in the past. After the February 9th election, we plan to mail an updated chart. You and your friends, your neighbors, and other people you know will all know who voted and who did not vote. And it actually lists names of people and whether they voted in November of 2012, in September of 2014, of November of uh, 2014, et cetera, et cetera, voted, did not vote. And apparently these are legitimate names that have been validated uh, as you know neighbors to some of these voters. That is incredibly creepy. Yeah, and they've done it before, by the way. This is not a new thing. We've seen this in previous election cycles, but this is another one of the dirty tricks that the Republicans cannot seem to get through an election without doing. The envelope, by the way, on the front of this uh, mailer says important taxpayer information enclosed with a big red arrow. Well, this is not taxpayer information. This is a scam. Who paid for this? Well, we don't know yet. It says at the bottom paid for by public policy matters. 
Now, when it was the Ted Cruz campaign, at least they admitted it was them. In this case, who the hell is public policy matters? We don't yet know for sure. Uh, but people are looking into it because uh, a Google search, as reported by uh, uh, Dan Abrams Law News, said uh, that uh, this group turns up nothing. Public Policy Matters turns up nothing. It's a mysterious group. It is not registered, as far as they could find anyway, as a uh, political action committee. The group does have a P.O. box in Manchester, New Hampshire. Well, uh, people have been looking into this over the past few hours, uh, including the Daily Caller. Now, let me say the Daily Caller is completely unreliable. They have no credibility whatsoever. This is Tucker Carlson's right wing, quote unquote, news outlet. But they did look into this to try to figure out who this public policy matters was. And they have so far been able to uh, tie it back to a uh, to a law office in Virginia. Let's see here. Um, yeah, not the voting violation. That's what it was. Voting violation. That's what Ted Cruz sent out. Uh, this one and and that one gave you a grade, uh, an F or an A if you voted and so forth. Uh, this one, however, ties back to the law firm by Jill Holtzman Vogel, who served as chief counsel for the RNC back in 2004. Uh, they have the same address as this group, Public Policy Matters. Now, this particular group, this law firm by uh, Jill Holtzman, who is uh, currently a Virginia state senator. What's the name of the... Uh, yeah, it's Holtzman Vogel Josephiak Torchinsky. Remember them? LLC. Uh, this is a Warrenton, Virginia campaign finance firm uh, tied to public policy matters. Uh, this is the same firm that we reported on at Bradblog.com as being in, uh, involved in this uh, Republican voter registration fraud scheme that was going on all over the country in Florida, in Colorado, in Virginia, so on and so forth. We reported on it in, in, in great, uh, a great deal. That particular group that was running that scam was also registered with this law firm, which also registers Carl Rove's Crossroads for America or Crossroads GPS, whatever he's uh, calling American Crossroads. There we go. Um, so this is, is, a, is a group that is somewhat the Carl Rove's American Crossroads, which has been tied to Marco Rubio's presidential campaign and the National Republican Congressional Committee, according to Politico. So we don't yet know where this is coming from, but there are signs it could be coming from either the Marco Rubio camp or at least someone who supports Marco Rubio. And Karl Rove and his Crossroads GPS would be a perfect candidate for this, of course, because Karl Rove is a, uh, a professional dirty trickster all his life, and Karl Rove and the Republican establishment is trying desperately, desperately to find someone, an, a so-called establishment candidate that they can run instead of Donald Trump or Ted Cruz. So the dirty tricks are underway in Iowa, in New Hampshire, by Republicans. Haven't seen any yet from the Democrats. We'll see. Some may show up. 
Uh, but it seems like the Republicans cannot run an election without dirty tricks. It's amazing. All right, a couple of more items b- before we get to a break. And uh, Desi Doyne and the Green News Report. Uh, J- uh, Jeb Bush says he would now like to eliminate, quote, eliminate the Supreme Court's Citizens United ruling. Newsflash for Jeb, a president cannot simply eliminate what the Supreme Court has done, but Jeb told the CNN that if I could do it all again, I'd eliminate the Supreme Court ruling on Citizens United. He says this is a ridiculous system we now have where you have campaigns that struggle to raise money directly and they can't be held accountable for the spending of the super PAC that is their affiliate. Please note that the Bush campaign, their uh, own super PAC called Right to Rise, raised some $117.6 million last year for Jeb Bush. And they were able to do it thanks to Citizens United, which Jeb Bush is now saying, yeah, I I wish we didn't have that. Nobody forced him to take all of that super PAC money. He could have done, frankly, what Bernie Sanders has done and said, I'm not taking super PAC money. I'm just going to raise money. So for Jeb Bush to now come out after he has spent more money by far than anyone else in the in the race, Republican or Democratic. And I think actually you might be able to add up the Republican and Democratic spending and it still would not exceed Jeb Bush, as I recall. After all of that, Jeb Bush says, yeah, I'd eliminate it. That's uh, Citizens United. That's not good for our democracy. Too little, too late, Jeb Bush. Another fail for you. Okay, very quickly, trying to fly through these. Uh, in Maryland, yes, in Maryland now, uh, they've got a primary election coming up in April. And uh, according to a WAMU, uh, the Maryland uh, the, the election in Maryland features several high-profile races, including the mayorship of Baltimore and open seats in the U.S. Senate and House of Representatives. However, the list, the long list of candidates competing for those uh, seats is creating a problem for the state's voting machines, leaving just one option, paper ballots. Well, there's some good news. Yes, the touchscreen machines they are now using in, uh, in Maryland can only show seven candidates on screen at a time. Several races, including the primaries for two open U.S. House seats in Maryland's uh, D.C. suburbs, have more than seven candidates. <laughs> so uh, the uh, state elections administrator, Linda Lamone, says that's a problem. I can't believe <laughs> Linda Lamone, by the way, is still their terrible election director. But she's right about this. She says the navigational complex complexity of the ballot marking device is that the voter can get lost. Uh, so they may have to go to a second page, may not be able to figure out how to get back to the first page if their candidate of choice is not on the first page. So they're going to use a paper ballot, which they should have used in the first place. They should have never gone to these touchscreen machines. That they spent millions of dollars millions on. on. And these are the new ones, by the way. They were one of the first, Maryland was one of the first in the country, Maryland and, and Georgia, to go to the Diebold touchscreens. I think since then they've changed to new touchscreen type systems that print out the ballot, computer printed b- paper ballot instead of hand marked paper ballot. So they wasted more money on their stupid touchscreen machines rather than letting people fill in a ballot, a paper <laughs> ballot. Which they're going to do now anyway. Uh, yes, they're going to do now anyway. Consequently, an election that will change the political face of Maryland will dis- be decided solely on paper. Good. Now count the goddamn paper while you're at it instead of running it through an optical scanner. Last one. 
voting rights have now been restored to 40,000 Marylanders. The Maryland General Assembly voted to override a veto, the governor's veto, by Governor Republican Governor Hogan. Hogan! They voted to override the veto today on a bill that will restore voting rights for approximately 40,000 citizens who live in their communities but cannot vote because of a criminal conviction in their past. With the new provision, Maryland becomes the 14th state plus the District of Columbia to restore voting rights to people who are out of prison. Previously, Maryland uh, law had withheld the right to vote from individuals until they fully completed every requirement of their sentence, including uh, beyond incarceration, probation, parole, etc., etc. So they're going to let these 40,000 people who are out of jail, who have served their time, vote. And the Republican governor of Maryland said, no, we don't want that. Incredibly, in Maryland, previously, in previous years, uh, a felony conviction in Maryland would ban you from voting for life in the state. So they had undone that to allow, uh, you know, eventually uh, former felons to be able to vote. And then the uh, General Assembly said, no, if you're out of jail, let them vote. Now, if it's up to me, I let them vote even if they're in jail, because people in jail have more right to, to, to talk about the way, uh, you know, the, are more affected by the laws than anybody else. And they ought to have a, a say in this. But certainly when they're let out of jail. But no. The Republican governor of Maryland said no to that, vetoed that. The Maryland General Assembly has now overridden that veto. And now 40,000 citizens in Maryland will finally once again be able to exercise their right to vote. That's your good news. Green News Report is coming up next. No promises about how good the news will be there. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. We are melting out here in Los Angeles once again with another oh, yeah. heat wave. Uh, before we get to our latest Green News report with Desi Doyen, uh, do we have time for this uh, real quick? I uh, think Bill so. Mar- oh, Bill, uh, <laughs> quick Bill Maher joke uh, from over the weekend, uh, uh, well, about Hillary Clinton. You just think Hillary, I love her, but just not good at this. Just not good at camp. I mean, in 2008, she lost to a black man with a Muslim name. Now she's losing to a 74-year-old Jewish socialist. I mean, Hillary, <laughs> we're making this as easy as we can for you, but yeah. you're going to have to help a little. Well, we will see. We will see if, uh, if in fact, she uh, loses or wins in New Hampshire and beyond. We will, of course, be covering uh, New Hampshire results on our next thrilling broadcast. But until then, it is time for our latest Green News Report. Clean water is not optional, my friends. Hillary Clinton pushes Congress to act on the Flint water crisis. The Keystone Pipeline without eminent domain, it wouldn't go 10 feet. Donald Trump calls out Republican hypocrisy on eminent domain. Bernie Sanders fights to stop oil and gas pipelines in New Hampshire and Vermont. Plus, I think we'll look back and we'll say, 
That was a smart investment. President Obama proposes an oil tax and fossil fuel industry heads explode. All of those proposals and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Ten years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now. Uh, we're going to be in a much stronger position. Right. Thanks to two terms of President Trump, this is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, after uh, three weeks or so of winter out here in Southern California and what was supposed to be one of the worst El Ninos of all time, it is now above 80 degrees and it is going to stay above 80 degrees for at least the next week, what the hell is going on? Yeah, well, climate scientists say every El Nino is different. This looks like it's going to be a different one. And California's snowpack was 130% of normal. That's, That's good. great. Yeah. But hydrologists say that just seven days of heat in California can reduce the snowpack by 30%. So this worst drought ever in history out here could continue for quite a while. It looks like it's going to. Fantastic. What else you got for us today? Well, the lead contaminant crisis in Flint, Michigan's water supply is now an issue in the 2016 presidential campaign. Former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton spoke in Flint on Sunday at the invitation of the city's new mayor, and she again called the crisis a civil rights issue, suggesting race and class bias was and is a factor in the state government's sluggish response. I said weeks ago if what had been happening in Flint had happened in Gross Point. Or Bloomfield Hills, I think we all know we would have had a solution yesterday. For those who don't know Michigan, by the way, Gross Point and Bloomfield Hills, that's where all the white people lives. The rich white people. Yep. Clinton also urged Congress to pass a $200 million bill to replace Flint's current water infrastructure. Michigan's two U.S. Senators, Debbie Stabenow and Gary Peters, both Democrats, have now blocked a major energy bill in the Senate to push the Republican majority to include aid for Flint. Meanwhile, in the Republican presidential race, the Flint water crisis has been virtually ignored, even though a similar lead contamination crisis is unfolding right now in Sebring, Ohio, under the administration of Ohio governor and Republican presidential candidate John Kasich. Although Congress banned the use of lead in pipes decades ago, the New York Times reports this week that between 3 and 10 million old lead pipes still remain in use in water systems throughout the country. Vermont Senator and Democratic presidential candidate Bernie Sanders is campaigning against new oil and gas pipelines that have been proposed in early primary states. Sanders was among the first to oppose the Keystone XL tar sands pipeline from Canada. He opposed the Bakken pipeline across Iowa and in New Hampshire. He's hitting a controversial pipeline that would carry U.S. gas into New England. The only mention of energy or environment issues in the last Republican debate before the New Hampshire primary was in relation to the use of eminent domain, a legal tool that allows the seizure of private land for projects. Donald Trump accused his fellow Republican candidates of hypocrisy for claiming to be for protecting individual property rights, unless it's for a favorite industry. They all want the Keystone Pipeline. The Keystone Pipeline without eminent domain, it wouldn't go 10 feet. So eminent domain, it's not that I love it, but it's a necessity for a country. I got to give Donald Trump credit for that, actually, because it's true. A, eminent domain is necessary, and B, Republicans have pretending they're against it for years, even while supporting projects like the Keystone XL pipeline, 
which uses eminent domain all over the place to take away land from private citizens. And what's different about this one is that TransCanada, which owns the Keystone Pipeline, is a private foreign company. So this isn't even for a public use. Finally, President Obama likely caused a few heads to explode in Washington when he proposed in his next budget to add a new $10 per barrel tax on oil. The revenue would fund current infrastructure, next generation clean transportation initiatives, and basic research into renewable energy technology. In a press briefing, the president said low gas prices today are an opportunity for tomorrow. We use this period where gas prices are low to accelerate a transition to a cleaner energy economy because we know that's not going to last. Yeah, well, good luck with that. A $10 a barrel tax comes out, by my math anyway, to about 50 cents per gallon. I know gas prices are low right now, but adding 50 cents a gallon, that's not necessarily going to be popular with Americans, never mind the Republicans who will never let that get through Congress. But it is a first step to normalizing the concept of putting a tax on carbon emissions. Fair enough. And as I said, good luck with that. Yeah. For much more on all of the stories we covered today and the ones we couldn't get to, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. My thanks today to our producer, Desi Doyen. Thank you very much to our booking goddess, Cynthia Cohn. And, of course, to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us and acting on what it is that uh, you hear on this program. If you'd like to send me email, I am bradcast at bradblog.com. You can follow me and uh, send me tweets and eh, say anything you like about or to me on the Twitters and the Facebooks at the Brad Blog. All right. Well... Buckle up. We will be back with you. Same Brad time, same Brad channel tomorrow. Until then, I'm Brad Friedman. Happy birthday, Dad. Good luck, world.